0: Hello and welcome to the Vibrant MD Podcast today. I am super happy to have Dr. Megan Mello with me. She is a fellow um, family doctor and we both studied um, English literature as well as all the science you need to become a doctor. So that's a fun uh, crossover for the two of us. Um, Some of you are seeing this on YouTube, uh, but mostly, everything should be obvious if you're listening on the podcast today too. So welcome, Dr. Mello. I'm so happy to have you here today.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure.
0: Well, why don't you tell my audience a little bit about yourself to start?
1: Yeah, so I'm a family medicine physician in Seattle, Washington, and I've been in practice for Gosh, I don't know, about 12 years now. And um, I also became board certified uh, in obesity medicine last year because I really wanted to have more skills and tools to be able to help my patients with weight loss. Um, And then after uh, getting that certification, I added on um, actually a coaching certification as well, because of course, what we know is that it's not all or one thing, right? There are some folks who, need more of a medical approach, or at least need some of the medical tools in order to be successful with weight loss, but also every single person who is struggling with weight and eating also really needs to be attention to, um, you know, stress and mindset. And that's really where those coaching tools come in um, as, you know, such a handy extra thing to add on. Right. That's terrific.
0: And actually Dr. Mello and I both certified at the life coach school. So we have a a uh, a way of thinking of things that is somewhat similar. So that yes. makes it uh, helpful. Today, I really wanted to talk about perfectionism. It's something I've seen a lot in Dr. Mello's work online. Um, and so I wanted her to come and share that with you all. We're going to talk about weight loss, but, but most of you who are listening are busy professionals. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, how perfectionism shows up in work and how it can lead to problems of burnout and overwhelm. So let's start there, Dr. Melo. Can you tell us a little bit about how perfectionism happens at work and, and what that leads
1: to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so for anybody who, you know, is a professional, you know, you're sort of automatically this high achiever um, driven person. And generally along the way, most of us have acquired a habit of perfectionism. We may not have always been that way, but, you know, the higher we've sort of, you know, gone along in our journey, we often have, you know, sort of picked up this mindset of I need to control everything. I need to do everything just right. I need to outperform my peers, not always in a, like a negative, you know, terrible sort of competitive way, but just to move ahead, right. To get that promotion, um, you know, to get into a training program or some other thing. Um, and so that habit of perfectionism gives us this illusion that we can control everything, right. We can control our careers. We can control our family, our relationships, um, you know, our eating and and weight loss journey as well. Um, you know, and what other people think about us, But the tighter that habit becomes, you know, like it it really kind of becomes this really constricting, um, you know, thing in our lives, this, this, this tight force in our lives. Um, and it never actually produces the result of perfect. We might still be doing well, um, but we're often feeling more and more restricted as we move forward and we never, we never quite make it to that that goal that we want. Yeah,
0: I really agree. I, I remember being in medical school and there was like this super high stress perfectionist group that I was sort of friends with. And if I wanted to do better, if I was thinking, you know, my studying, isn't that going, going that great. I would go hang out with them because the hours were long. We went through every single thing, you know, there was <laughs> Much in such a way and yeah, <laughs> yes, and I did do better on the test so I'm like well maybe I should be more like them, although when I hung out with them I would wake up in the middle of the night, grinding my teeth and you know, mm-hmm. it's funny how you think well this will serve me but you know if it's
1: at the, at the cost of there's a cost. There's right. a cost. Yeah. And it's not to say that it, yeah, I can't help you perform because of, you know, of course it has been part of most of our journeys, right. To get where we are, but with that cost, you know, with that tightness, that anxiety, um, rigidity, um, yeah. and, and again, you know, sort of chasing this illusion that we can control everything.
0: Yeah. And it bleeds out too. Like there's pieces you definitely for doctors, there's pieces where you want to be very as perfect as you can be. When you're looking at someone's lab work, you are going through and thinking, how can I help this person? And that piece needs to be there. Mm-hmm. But then when you're in the break room or in the computer room writing out things, then it, you know, that rigidity stays with you, but you don't need it there in the computer yes. room. Right. And I think that other professionals have the same thing. There's little pieces that really need that very fine attention, but then it bleeds out and all of it becomes yeah. that rigidity.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were talking a little bit before we started recording about Brene Brown and she talks about there being, you know, a big different, an important difference between striving for excellence, right.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: perfectionism, like we can want to really, you know, perform at a high level to do high quality work. Yeah. Without, you know, falling into this trap of thinking, if I make any mistakes, it's all yes. off, everyone will know, um, you know, I'll just be steeped in shame. Um, and I think that's really important. And, you know, a lot of studies will show that you know, for most of us, there's a there's a small fraction of work that really needs to be, you know, at a at a technically high level. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of numbers will point to like 20%, you know, of your work needs to be really, really high quality, you know, high attention to detail, um, you know, lots of lots of effort into it. But a lot of the other things that we do don't require that level of scrutiny and detail. And you know, I think so many of us are probably living, you know, it, with the other proportion of, you know, like really worrying about the 80% and the, all the little details and hold this paper right and, you know, put the label, you know, I was thinking we have to label specimens, right? Like right, right. put the little sticker on just right. And, um, you know, all of those things, which really don't matter. Right, right. Yeah. As but you, we know, still you nice study
0: people. literature and did writing, and I remember writing notes and being like, my notes are beautiful. I have written the nicest paragraph. <laughs> I'm sure people are like, "Why did she write such a long paragraph?" When all they really needed was the bullet points to find out what was going on. Absolutely, if we're sharing a patient, or yeah, absolutely. I've been yeah, here. Really had
1: a few physician clients.
0: Yeah, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, no, that's okay. That was, that's okay. Go ahead. Okay. I've had a few physician clients who, you know, have really gotten stuck about that and really. Um, become quite upset because they are so used to receiving a lot of praise for you know their beautiful notes, their really you know exquisite details. Um, and I'm thinking of one doctor in particular, and she was an emergency room physician, so mm-hmm. she was seeing tons and tons of patients. Um, you know, writing these really elaborate notes and staying for hours and hours after her 12-hour shift to to get it done, and you know, I asked her kind of what was that costing? What was that, yeah. what was that doing to her life because she was also struggling with weight. And um she was really really, really reluctant to make any changes because she's like, well, the you know, the admitting hospitalists will be really upset with me if I don't have these notes because they love my notes. They love all the details. They <laughs> love all the little things. And I'm just like, well, what is the cost? What is the cost of pouring that much effort in when that level of information is not, you know, usually called for in that setting. Right.
0: Right. And I have a client too, who is uh, in business and has Mm -hmm. clients throughout the U S and Europe. And she said that really she used, you know, she's cut back to doing a lot more bullet points in her emails even, because she said, you know, I used to do this long thing, but people open that email and said, Oh my gosh, I don't have time to read for four big paragraphs. And they, now they love that she gets to the point with four, you know, the four bullet points instead of the four paragraphs. And that's so much more help for her clients. So it's funny because you know she had to shift her mind away from the perfect email because
1: the perfect email turned out wasn't that great for the person receiving it too, yeah. you know? Yeah. might have gotten gold stars in college for grammar but um that's not <laughs> what we're doing anymore right yeah no it's so it's so true and there's so many little examples like that right where yeah. we're really overdoing it um you know you think about uh, a busy professional working mom who agonizes about bringing treats to school um and oh if I don't hand make this if I don't You know, make the fanciest thing. If I, you know, and there's just not room for that often when no one is really scrutinizing or no one that you are concerned about, (laughs) shall I say, (laughs) is really scrutinizing your decision to swing by the store and pick up some snacks. Right, right.
0: And so then we start feeling overwhelmed at work. Like our, like our job is too big and we, and we're not, you know, takes
1: sucks the joy out of our work. Absolutely. Because again, we're kind of like sucked into this vortex of trying to control everything. And, you know, we may be having good outcomes in a lot of places, but not in everything. And again, we have this mindset, well, I, I can control everything and I just need to work harder to control that other thing that hasn't quite fallen into line. But again, with this rigidity and this anxiety, which you know, then affects our performance, and we just simply don't control all the things. you know, if, if the pandemic has shown us anything, there's a lot that's, you know, out there to chance, right? We've had all kinds of, um, you know, supply issues with getting, uh, you know, groceries into the store and you know, all of those kinds of, of simple things. Um, but also, who would have predicted that, you know we would shut down the world in that way? Everybody yeah have imagined, oh, well, suddenly we're not going places. Oh, we have to wear a mask every place we go. Oh, you know, there's, you know, the initial vaccine mandates and and any number of other circumstances where we had so much lack of control. Um, you know, yes. and I think I think that's certainly one of the reasons why we are in this heightened state of anxiety is, you know, we have been many of us practicing this habit of perfectionism and thinking, I got this, I can do all of this, I can do all of the things. And then this just really hit us sideways. Oh, I don't have as much control as I thought.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I remember even just being very quiet about the fact that um, my family was not able to wipe
1: down our groceries when <laughs> the very beginning. Everyone I also did not wipe down my groceries. <laughs>
0: I mean, we were working, you know, we're working, seeing our, seeing patients. And that was a highly stressful thing, even just to find the masks that we needed in the beginning. And my, you know, one of my sister-in-laws is texting me about wiping down the groceries. And I was just like, I don't think I can talk about this (laughs) because I, you know, there are only so many hours in the day. Only so many (laughs)
1: hours in the day. Yeah, no, I, I definitely skipped that one
0: too. Thankfully, thankfully, that wasn't necessary to keep us yeah. healthy at the end. <laughs> we figured out eventually. I like what you said about habit of perfectionism, too. And I think that really leads into um, how perfectionism shows up in weight loss. So if you yeah. wouldn't mind like talking about that, I'd appreciate it.
1: Yeah. And I, I really think of it as a habit for a number of reasons. One is habits are acquired and habits can be changed. Mm-hmm. um and so i think that's a really important thing to recognize because I, I think growing up i i was aware of perfectionism more as a trait more as something that was fixed in somebody um and and certainly somebody might be more disposed you know predisposed to that but i think for a lot of us it's a habit and one that often you know has kind of developed over time and can be undone but you know The other thing, you know, when we're thinking about it with weight loss, um, many of us have acquired the habit there of thinking that perfectionism, you know, is kind of the way to go. Classic examples of that would be okay, um, you know, it's Sunday afternoon, tomorrow is Monday, right? We're going to start a new week and I'm going to do everything just right. This is going to be the week that it clicks in. And I'm just going to make all the right choices. I'm going to exercise an hour every day, and we just get into this kind of fantasy piece, and that often pops up around, you know, Monday, or um, you know, the first day of the month, or we're coming up on New Year's, right, the first right, day of right. year 2023. Yeah. My resolutions. I'm going to kick everything off, and that that perfectionism. You know, again, we're sort of thinking, I'm going to have control over everything. I'm going to have control over everything that happens in my life. Um, You know, every um, opportunity to eat or not to eat, uh, every opportunity to exercise or not. Uh, you know, all of those really important things are sleep. You know, certainly uh, for a lot of people, you know, there are many circumstances where our best laid plans you know, don't turn out, right. We're up all night because we have a cold and we're coughing or we have a sick child or, um, you know, we get a phone call or there's noise outside that can impact our ability to follow through on our decisions the next day. So if we're thinking, well, I didn't sleep well and therefore I need a donut and I'll work out later, but then the day kind of goes haywire, right? And so then we don't work out and suddenly, you know, this little trigger of events, we haven't controlled anything and therefore, you know, it all went out the window.
0: Yes. And then we're at dinner and so we just might as well eat french fries, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Might as well just have french fries because I didn't do the afternoon thing and I didn't do the morning thing. And
1: yeah. 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 So I think it's a huge barrier. Um And I think it's just really important to recognize in ourselves, you know, when we're trying to get to a healthier weight or trying to change our eating habits and, you know, in general or exercise habits, when we go into it thinking, I need to have all the right answers, I need to do everything 100% perfectly, you know, each and every day, each and every meal We're really setting ourselves up for failure because of course the person who we are when we've successfully lost weight and kept it off is somebody who knows that it's all about trial and error. It's all about, you know, being able to do the best you can with what you have and where you are and recommitting to that journey of becoming a healthier eater, becoming, um, you know, someone who can maintain weight loss.
0: Right, right. I remember a day um, where I'd eaten a a normal breakfast, um, and then after lunch, I was really stressed out. And we had half a pan of brownies on the counter, and I ate a bunch of them. (laughs) And I was like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, I hadn't done that in a long time. Um, And then, but because I've been on this journey already, and 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 know that perfectionism doesn't serve me. I was I just ate a regular dinner and I've shared that story on another podcast episode and what a boring story that is. But that's exactly what you want your eating journey to be. is boring. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. You enjoy foods and keep going. And I kind of I love, I don't know who who came up with this term, but I love it. Compassionate perseverance for weight loss. Mm. Um where mm. you just where you're you know things are gonna go wrong, but you just kind of keep going.
1: Yeah. 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 And and let's talk a little bit, if you you know, if you don't mind, about the boredom part because it is a little boring. Uh, you know, it is a little boring <laughs> to make decisions to, you know, eat the healthy food when that exciting, uh, you know, dopamine surge that could come with eating the chips or the cake or whatever you know is right there. But committing and saying, yeah, well, not today. You know, today yeah. I'm gonna stick with my plan, and this is my plan, and. Um, letting our meals be I don't I, I, a little boring. um, not that they don't taste good, not that they aren't foods that we, you know, we feel good eating, but we're not constantly seeking, you know, pleasure and excitement and, um, you know, entertainment from our food, right. you know, which is also such a common habit that many of us have in the us. Um, you know, that we, we consider the food to be a big part of the experience of having fun, relaxing, celebrating, uh, treating ourselves after, you know, a hard day. I think so many people are so out of touch with their hunger because they're using so many other cues to determine, you know, that they're going to eat. Right. Right. And sometimes,
0: you know, with there being food everywhere too, sometimes at the morning meeting, you might need to eat something, but sometimes you need to look at the, the grocery store pastries and say, you know, I'm not hungry. I don't need this to make the meeting better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not going to make, you know, it's not going to make it that much better. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah and I think yeah that's so true too um you know that we are so surrounded by food all the yes. time and you think about somebody who's struggling with alcohol alcohol is not a necessary substance for human existence right people can absolutely choose um you know I'm going to I'm going to be fully abstinent I'm going to go without any alcohol for the rest of my life and you know that is that is okay no one needs that alcohol to survive But with food, you know, we, all of us have to learn, how am I going to be able to make, you know, healthy food choices, you know, the majority of the time, how am I going to learn how to change these eating habits and not get so hung up in, you know, controlling every circumstance or again, being very rigid and tight. Um, Certainly there are many people who choose to, you know, exclude full categories of food and can do that easily and it's better for them but a lot of us you know if we tell ourselves I can never have that food again sometimes that is a big stressor right and really drives up our interest and desire for that food which you know (laughs) or to have mental anguish
0: about going to a like have mental anguish about going to a family birthday party and whether or not Mm -hmm. you're going to have cake you know You can, you can lose weight and have cake at, at your niece's birthday party, you know, and you can lose weight and eat rice because that's your cultural food. You can lose weight and have pizza on Friday night, because if that is your joy, you know, you can, you can build a week around that. Absolutely. Yeah, People should have, I think people should have what they want because otherwise, again, it it feeds into the perfectionism, like, well, I will be perfect and never have pizza, but if you really love pizza, then what kind of
1: life is that? <laughs> right, right, yeah. Like, do we do we want it to be that way? Is that the cost? Um, and you know, I grew up in the eighties and nineties. You know, and mm-hmm. the diet culture of um, you know everything was low fat and ultimately high carb, and you know, yeah, just this um, this idealized version of everything. You know we'll just have all these diet foods and we'll just um you know never never eat these real versions of things and it's such a dissatisfying way of doing things um yeah that really just doesn't suit for the long term I find
0: I really love what you said about perfectionism as a habit because it helps us look at ways or places that it shows up that it doesn't serve us. Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily thinking of it as a personality trait, because then we, you know, then we get the shame and blame thing going as well.
1: Um, yeah, and that's that's another um, thing that that Bernie Brown talks quite a bit about in her books is, um, you know, that perfectionism is really about shame avoidance. And so we were talking more about the control side of things, but um, you know, really the desire to control everything is to avoid criticism, to, you know, avoid feeling shame, which is, you know, a feeling of uh, there's something wrong with me, like I'm intrinsically wrong somehow. Um, We are trying to, you know, hide our flaws from people, to hide, um, you know, mistakes that we've made, to hide uh, areas of knowledge that we don't have. And again, you know, this tight rigidity sort of thing, because, you know, we're, we're, human beings, we have the full expression of emotions. We will sometimes feel shame no matter what. We will sometimes feel angry or scared and worried. Um, And we can't, we can't go through life thinking we can confidently avoid all those negative emotions, but can we learn to be able to handle them? So instead of trying to avoid shame at all costs, you know, learning how to compassionately care for yourself when you are experiencing shame or anger or fear, um, you know, any of those emotions. Um, it's a really important skill. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm sure that you've seen this as well with your work. When you work on undoing the habit of perfectionism and learning how to accept your emotions and care for them with compassion, if you're doing that in one area of your life, it, it spills over into other areas in the best way. Right. Yeah,
0: that's beautiful. Yeah, you put that in such a beautiful way. I love that. (laughs) Well thank you so much. You know, I just want to kind of hit hit the high points here again for people listening in our work. You know, perfectionism, there's a there's a 20% that might need that. And if you're finding that you're doing that, if you're using perfectionism and control, And being so very good, 80% of the time in your work, there's probably some spots you could find to let that go, which would make your day and your week and your month so much better. Um, And then looking at how using it as a habit in our weight loss doesn't really serve us, um, really just brings more misery. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of having that compassionate perseverance where you just kind of keep going because things will go wrong. that that is a really common way that people are able to sustain weight loss when they're when they allow that and looking at i also lo- love to look at the cultural pieces you know that mm-hmm. where our culture has told us that you have to be perfect to lose right. weight or some of these other things that
1: i mean that's that's part of the perfectionist illusion as well right is that once i've lost the weight I will be happy all the time. I will, you know, have the perfect house and it will be tidy and my kids will smile and be polite to everyone. And, you know, it just kind of feeds in. I'll be happy when, yes. um, which of course is, is not what happens, right? We all have ups and downs, no matter what. That is just sure. how life goes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you again, Dr. Mello, for being here. Mm -hmm. Can you please um, let people know where they can find you? Um, You have a
1: podcast as well, right? I do Um, have a podcast. It's called Ending Physician Overwhelm. All right, say that one more time, because I was yeah. Ending Physician Overwhelm. Nice. And so I talk a lot about um, mindset, and I, um, you know, and allowing emotions and kind of the difficulties that come up and toxic perfectionism and people pleasing and how all of those things feed into burnout. It is from the lens of physicians and people doing work in healthcare. Um, But I know I have many listeners who aren't in those fields and still find uh, the lessons to be helpful. So that's one place to find me. Um, And then I also have a website, which is www.healthierforgood.com. And um, on that, I share, you know, a little bit more about my coaching practice. Great, great. And I will put the links
0: to uh, everything you sent me in the show notes as well. So if people want to just grab that, they can find you too. So thank you again. I appreciate you coming and sharing this with uh, my audience.
1: Yes, thank you so much. It's been a real joy.